to the Wandering Bear Center podcast. This is Brian. Over there is Alex. Welcome. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing all right. How about you? Not too bad. I uh, went floating this morning. Oh, man. Yeah, it was nice. How was that? It was really nice. I went as early as possible, and I tried to sleep as late as possible so that I was still kind of sleepy when I got there. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I was able to fall into that, like, lucid, half-in, half-out type state pretty quickly. Ooh, that sounds... (laughs) Was it one of your better floats? Definitely. Yeah? Yeah. Probably the best, actually. That's that's interesting, because the last time I went, um, I did the opposite, where I went straight from the gym. Mm -hmm. So I never reached that kind of mental state. It was more of a muscle relaxation. Yep. Um, so maybe I should try that. The last time I went to, I actually did, not today, but pre- previously, I had coffee, uh-huh. which I think you also had before the gym. Yeah, yeah, I definitely still had some and caffeine they, flowing. they tell you not to drink coffee, and boy, they're yeah. right. The coffee, yeah, I would, the I would coffee kind of ruined my last one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's that was my idea with the with this one was... Nice. Yeah, it was good. I'll have to try that. Yeah. Uh, before we jump into the topics, yep. I wanted to get your thoughts, mostly because we talked about it in one of the very early episodes. Uh, the North Korean situation has developed. Gotten confusing. Yeah. What do you think about all that? I can't help, and I'm certainly not the only one, to be skeptical of their plans here. Um, like, I know, I know they've, you know made claims to stop their nuclearization and and all their testing in the past and then failed to do so. But they Mm -hmm. seem to be taking it further now than they ever have. I would agree. And I guess that's just because, you know, with China being their only lifeline and and China basically being fed up with their shit, for for lack of better uh, or further explanation, um, I think they're desperate, right? A couple, yeah, definitely Seemingly. desperate. Desperate in two different ways, I would think. So, quick recap. Basically, North Korea has said that they're going to end all the tests and come to the table and to, to talk denuclearization. Yeah. And, well, interestingly, ahead. real quick, a detail of that is they said no tests are, no further testing is needed. So, oh. <laughs> you could interpret that as yep. we don't, we have no interest in a nuclearization or... We're ready. <laughs> I have a feeling it's more the latter. Yeah. But or the former rather. Yeah, the former. Because they're definitely yeah. not ready. I don't think so. Because uh, they had that that collapse. I was just gonna say the collapse. Yeah. And yeah. from what I understand, the the missiles that they've been launching are ones that they've purchased, not ones that they've built. What? Yep. From who? China. Uh, apparently smuggled through the Ukraine. Whoa. Yeah. Well then. That's so a, yeah, missiles that. that they've bought, other, and then but then you're right, the collapse of the missile test site, or the what looked like which the may or may not have killed 200 scientists in their entire program. Right, unconfirmed. Right, so that seems like a pretty solid death, you know, death blow. But I yeah. think also, um, so yeah, they said they've they they're just gonna, I don't know, the situation has changed dramatically, and but I also think I yeah, think quickly that, too, quickly, dramatically, you know, they're talking to. Uh, South Korea, they're already, they got phone lines set up, it's going off. 
Yeah, because, I mean, it was only a couple of months ago that they were launching missiles into the ocean. Sure, they were launching them over Japan. Yeah, and now all of a sudden it's like, okay, let's I, talk. Dude, the, the collapse of the of the test site has got to be... And I, I yeah. wonder how that... How does, did they accidentally, like, blow one up inside? I mean, it's totally... That's got to be... What I, within the realm of possibility. Absolutely. Why else would it collapse like that? Yeah, the satellite... I don't know if you saw the satellite photos, but... No, I didn't actually see any images. It, I mean, it it just looks like a large volcano fell in on itself, basically. That's crazy. Yeah. I also Yikes. think um, the leader of North Korea is... I think we speculated on this during that episode. You know, what were his motivations? I think he's realized that one of... A very likely outcome of this situation, if he doesn't do something, is he dies. Yeah. Um... So that seems. I mean, yeah. Just even though he's a crazy motherfucker, he's still a person, right? So he's gonna have maybe some human thoughts going on. He's one also of which educated. Is maybe in I the don't want to die. So. Yeah, that's true. Do you think that we have? Um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Do we have him to thank for this? <laughs> you know. I don't know if he's the sole, like many things in the world, in the world that it's a lot of different things that add up to a particular. Sure, sure. Did he positively contribute to the situation? I would say yes, he did. More so than most people, I would be yeah. willing to bet. Dude, he was going over there teaching him how to play basketball. That's crazy. He's been there like three or four times. Uh, yeah, probably more. He than hasn't that. met with a U.S. president. A Kim in charge of North Korea hasn't met with a U.S. president ever. Yeah, Dennis Rodman's <laughs> been over there three times. <laughs> He's their homie. Yeah, I, yes, it's I would so say. Absurd. I would say he positively, you know, moved the situation forward in a good way. Yeah, that's great. He's like, look, somebody man, get that can, guy a medal. We can get more basketballs over here. It'll be great. I mean, really, right in the middle of. I'm I'm no expert on his career sports, but I'm sure he's got medals in his house, right, for something. Yeah, athletic, probably. Championship. Put that, I believe he's yeah, got some championships. Give, yeah, give him a medal for world peace between North Korea and else, and put that one right in the center. Yeah, dude, I mean, <laughs> if there's ever been a deserving uh, person of the Nobel Peace Prize, that's crazy. That would be. I hope. I hope details of that come to light someday. That would be amazing. If you, <laughs> I'm just imagining the medal ceremony of like Dennis Rodman accepting the Nobel Peace Prize for brokering peace between. Oh my god. Communism in the West. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Given to cool. him by Kim, Kim Jong un himself. Yeah. Or no, Kim Jong un, sorry. Kim yeah. yeah, sorry, Kim Jong un. Who was the other one? Who's that? Kim Il sung is uh yeah. I'm pretty sure goodness, I believe that's the first one. Oh. Uh I believe that was yeah, Kim Il sung is the uh the OG, the grandfather, gotcha. and then there was right. So Kim Jong-un Kim is the current one. and yeah, yeah. Kim, yeah, you got it. So, yeah, North Korea. I mean, it's good, right? It's Ultimate. scary, man. It is, it, well, it's I, scary. It is good on the surface, but we'll see. Yeah, it, as you said, this is the it's furthest just, they've ever taken it. Very... But they also had done this sort of thing where they say, oh, we're going to do all this stuff. And then yeah. basically they, they're trying to trick the world. But his, comp- his country's also got a... The information is leaking in. People have got to right. waking up. For sure. It's not the same as it's been, even if he 
you know, wishes it was. Right. All right. So let's, uh, Roll into let's get going here. Um, all right. So today, today I'm going to talk about the Surgeon General. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. It might Good sound choice. weird. And, you know, people listening might be like, this guy is kind of stupid. Like, why doesn't he know what that is? <laughs> but I don't really know what it, well, I do now, but I didn't. And so I was interested. So even if you think I'm stupid and should know all this stuff, I'm sure you'll learn something new anyway. Um, but basically, I think I heard a news story or something about it. And, and it was a, actually, I think I know what it was and I'll get to it later what sparked my questioning and all this, but there was some advisory put out by the Surgeon General, and it just got me thinking, like, you know, what what's going on there? Who is this, or what is this? Is it a person? Is it a single... Is it a group? Like, you know, what are they doing? Why? And why are they the ones that get to have warnings all over stuff? I was just going to say, the only impact to my life, probably with many... Uh, and I don't even smoke. They're just not, it's just, there's a warning on the side of the, uh, you know, a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. That's pretty much the only spot I can recall. Right. And I think that's what everybody knows, but there's way more to it beyond that. I was going to say, I assume it's a part, I assume it is a singular person. Like there is a surgeon general. There is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I assumed, but I just wasn't sure because of the way the labels are, you know, and (laughs) who is this person telling us all? (laughs) Yeah. Like who is this? And has it been the same person for a while or how do they get to be called the surgeon general? Why is that name even the way it is? So I wanted to know. So also why now you have to listen. Why? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was going to ask <laughs> what the the two words surgeon and general also seem somewhat uh it's weird, right? Like yeah, just I could see general surgeon, I guess. I don't know, no, that doesn't really Which make is good a thing. And I think I think we can let's keep that in mind actually as we're going through all this information and try to piece together maybe why it's called because I never got a direct answer on where the name comes from. Okay, um, I think it it feels military. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're absolutely right on that. All right. All right. So go for it, and we'll get to that. No, it's okay. <laughs> well, I, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> All right. So some quick history. So this has actually been around in some form, not in the way it is today, but since 1798. So it's pretty early. Um, yeah, Congress established something called the U.S. Marine Hospital Service, which was, you know, basically providing health care to, like, um, just Marines in general, right. but it was set up by the U.S. Um, so they kind of had, um, you know, a position within that where this stems from. Um, but it didn't happen until 1870 where this marine hospital service thing was recognized as like a national hospital system. Um, and then they had an officer position within that, which was called supervising surgeon. And then later on supervising surgeon was just later changed to the title surgeon general. So I guess, you know, you have this word surgeon, this title surgeon the whole time. So I don't know if they had to be, 
back then a recognized surgeon or right. if that was just part of the title. I'm a not sure. A licensed practitioner. Yeah. Or even what the requirements were back then. That's that's a long time ago. I mean, way back then, the qualifications for being a surgeon, you, you needed to be able to saw bones off and like treat Civil War injuries. <laughs> Pretty much. But I don't think you were going through like 10 years of schooling and some no, residency no, and some hospital. On, you were learning <laughs> on the battlefield. So Dr. John Woodworth was the first supervising surgeon in 1871. That's all I have on him. There's <laughs> not much information, but that He's is the first. the, the first uh, timestamp for him. Um, but basically, I mean, this, this position's changed a ton over the course of history. It's changed in scope. It's become broader. It's become less. It's been abolished a couple times where it didn't even exist. Hmm. It's been combined with other positions, separated again. Um, Damn. Yeah, it's gone through quite a lot of back and forth. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, over time. And I mean, we do have the position today, obviously. Um, but I think, and, and like you said, the most well-known thing is... Uh, the warning stickers that you or uh, labels that you see on products, mainly cigarettes, which started in '64. It's been there since 1964. But yeah, that's basically. I mean, you say Surgeon General, and everybody thinks of that. Uh, I was trying to think. I, I really cannot think of any other package or labeling that I. I guess I'm not really looking for it, but what Ooh, else? we can we can get into that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll ask you about that in a, in a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so fast forward to today. Um, so the Surgeon General's actually, I did not expect this, appointed by the president directly. Um, it has to be, or the person, it is a singular person, if I didn't say that already, yeah. um, does have to be confirmed by the Senate, but it is up to the president to, you know, choose a person. Right. It can be denied, I guess. I don't know if that's happened before, but it didn't happen with Trump. So Trump Trump appointed his own? There's a current one yep. appointed? Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, there is. Yeah. I didn't know if... Um, like, uh, yeah, okay. All right. So the way um, the Surgeon General functions and is like tied into the rest of the U.S. public health services is pretty confusing so i'm going to do my best here um so the surgeon general he's the op he or she is the operational head of the u.s public health servants service commission course phscc jesus phscc try to remember that because it com- comes up later um <laughs> phscc you can make up some song P-H-S-C-C. or something if you want cc all right i got it <laughs> um all right, so they're like the leading spokesperson on matters of like public health and representing the federal government when it comes to public health. Like their position on public health, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We um, think public health is good. So the Surgeon General, it the position itself, and then all the office staff that go along with this are known as the Office of the Surgeon General. Makes okay. sense. OSG. That's but, a pretty cool acronym. Yeah, OSG. So despite the Surgeon General being this prestigious position, it's they're actually not the head of the PHSCC. What? 
they're figuratively speaking they are, but as far as like the rankings go, they're actually not. So this the Surgeon General, we can just call him the SG if you want, reports to the Assistant Secretary for Health, the ASH, who is the um despite his assistant I was just, title. Yeah, okay, confusing, I know. Thank that you. person's the head of the PHSCC. Okay, that is just like I know. bureaucracy to one silly name Dude. choice. But two, <laughs> the public-facing figurehead is never, you know, if you want to get conspiracy style about it, you know, the president is the public-facing figure, the lightning yeah. rod, right? And right. then there's an administration behind him actually making, not just not just Trump, any president. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, the Surgeon General—they don't get to be at the top because they're—they're the public-facing. But from what I understand, they are actually responsible for a lot of. Well, yeah, of course. Right, so of course. that's that's the, that's what happens when you're the public. Yeah. You have none of the power and all the responsibility. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, this goes a step further because the ASH, the Assistant Secretary for Health, is not the top dog when it comes to public health that goes further um there's the united states if that person was the assistant there is the united states secretary of health and human services which oh, okay. is the head of the department of health and services okay yeah yeah. which is separate from the phscc um oh, so they got two removed smart smart yeah <laughs> so what the surgeon general is basically in charge of though um, so while he's not the highest ranking officer in the PHSCC, he's basically head of like the 6,500 member team of health professionals that's, you know, working for him and under him or her. Dang, 6,500. Um, yeah. So basically summing all that bureaucracy up, the PHSCC of which the Surgeon General is part of is basically the working level team of the Department of Health. Is the best way I can describe it. Um, and the way the U.S. defines um, the uh, the PHSCC is an elite group of more than 6,700 uniformed office officer public health professionals working throughout the federal government whose mission is to permit, Jesus, protect, promote, and advance the health of our nation. So that's the way they define this group of and they're actually uniformed officers so they are like you said um it's a pretty elite group to be a part of and then as u.s surgeon general you're you're head of that group so are they actually a i I hesitate to use the word branch are they an arm of the military well that is this is why we do this podcast my friend all right educate we 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 feed (laughs) off each other you know where i was going next so they're one of seven uniformed services of the I was United just going to say, they, if, if they're wearing a uniform, I was going to say, yeah. if they're wearing a uniform, yeah. that would be pretty crazy if they weren't. Do you want to name the seven? Uh, okay, we've got the Air Force. We've yep. got um, the Army. Yep. The Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Surgeon General. Uh, the PHSCC. You got what it. They? Okay. Um, Three more. Oh, defense? Something about the Department of Defense? No. No? Oh, my goodness. Um, All right, I'll do one more guess here. I was going to say something along the lines of, like, the marching band. (laughs) 
No, you're forgetting. Two of them are easy. Two of them are the easy. The Marines. Oh, uh, sorry. Okay, I put them under the Navy. Oh, okay. No, Marines and Navy are separate. Okay. Coast Guard. Ah, oh, shit. And then the last one is the National National Oceanic and As- Atmospheric Administration, so NOAA, Commissioned oh. Officer Course. Really? So I don't really know. Yeah, I'm not sure the details on that one, but so. That yeah, was actually say, that was surprising. I did not know. You know, that Army, one. Marines, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard are the ones you would think of, and then you have this NOAA and PHSCC thing. Got it. Um, are kind of the, the outliers in that list, I would say. In my defense, each branch of the military does have their own musical core. <laughs> oh. They, where they travel the, you know, they travel around and do stuff. That's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about the Coast Guard. That was stupid. Yeah. Where does the National Guard fit into that, do you know? Um, I don't. Department yeah, of Homeland sure. Security has got to be a branch of the military, too, then. It must be slotted under one of those then, right? Because you're li- you, you're pretty confident in that list. Yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> That's I'm, a challenge. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? No, I no, mean, no. I won't go a hundred percent just because I, you're questioning it. I but... don't mean to. I don't mean to derail you. I'm curious though. National. Yeah, look it up. Let yeah. the people know. Yeah, I'm curious what what they fall under. Um, part of the reserve components of the United States Armed Forces. Oh. So. <laughs> Not quite the answer I was expecting. Oh, does each? Okay, I don't want to spin on this too long. It almost looks like uh, each branch of the military has their own so there's a Marine National Guard, there's an Army yep. National Guard, there's a Navy oh. National Okay. Oh, that kind of makes sense. That kind of, yeah, yeah. So each department has their, or each branch has their own, like, temporary. Yeah, yeah, okay. That seems, I'm just quickly glancing at it, that seems what it, what's going on. Anyway. Let's, let's roll with it. Um, Alright, so currently, our current Surgeon General, his name, Jerome Adams. So he's only the 20th Surgeon General. Um, they serve four-year terms, just like the president. Um, so they're brought in. Wait, how can you know, that so be? I, oh, because presidents have served two terms. Okay. Right. And they just get a point. Okay. Right. Well, so wait. they, I believe they can, I don't know if there's a limit. I didn't read about that. So let's say our next president decides they also want Jerome Adams. Can he serve a third term? Let's say, God forbid, Trump's in there twice. Jerome Adams is as well. Can a third, you know, can he serve a third term if the next president wants to keep him? I don't know. If there are term limits on the Surgeon General, but we don't have term limits on like, (laughs) I'm going to be pretty upset. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) Um, So just looking at his credentials, because, and the reason I started going there, um, other than out of curiosity, is he a surgeon? Turns out, yeah, he is. Um, so he's a certified anesthesiologist and he completed medical school, like, you know, anybody else, he did his residency, the whole deal. Um, so he's legit. He's got his master's in public health, which kind of makes me think that 
Um, maybe he knew he was going to go into a role public service like this um, rather than being a resident surgeon or whatever. Um, that is an interesting goal. I'm going to set out to become the Surgeon General. But, I mean... It's pretty cool. I mean, it's yeah. it's an interesting position because... Um, we can dig into the responsibilities, but basically he's got to keep a very nonpartisan approach to everything. He's got to educate the public on health affairs and, you know, based strictly on science, he can't get caught up in politics, basically. Uh, or at least that's the objective. Whether that stays true or not is something else, but um, that's the goal. So Do currently, yep, go ahead. I was just going to say, did you, sorry, did you mention, mention that he was the Indiana State Health Commissioner? Um, no, I did not say that, but yes, uh, he was. And do you know who the governor was at the time? I don't. Mike Pence. Interesting. Not that well, that's entirely surprising. That happens all the time. People know each other. I was going to say, that just means that he knew. But that just means he's, uh, he's buddies with Pence, or at least political I mean, buddies. because, look, you got to... If it's up to the president to appoint him, it's not like the president, and it's not just Trump I'm calling out here, but you can't expect him to have somebody in mind definitely for every single position that he technically has to appoint. Yeah, or she, no, no. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's probably not a bad good to have somebody. Yeah. But it makes sense. It interesting. Anyway. He grew up in some, like, farm town in Maryland where the, the Wikipedia page, at least one of the first things it says is they're known for their... Um, Amish population. Hmm. So that's interesting. I don't think he's Amish, but... <laughs> yeah, especially if he's a surgeon. Yeah. <laughs> so one of his top priorities, just an example of what he does, um, is the whole um, opioid crisis. That's one of his primary concerns. So he's coming in at a hell of a time um, to take that on. Um. So, and I think this right here is what got me onto this whole topic and made me start wondering what the hell this is all about. Uh, in April, yep, that's now, he <laughs> ur <laughs> he urged Americans who are at risk of overdosing on opioids, including their friends and family and, you know, et cetera, to carry, um, like an, yeah, like an over-the-counter antidote to, you know, so I guess if your family member is overdosing or something, you're ready to take that on yeah it's this stuff called i think i got the name right nican yeah it sounds it, right i it, think that's it. uh it, it's almost like smelling salts in a way not like oh really not in terms of like what it actually is but like it it's the effect it wakes people up that are overdosing like instantly Whoa. like really they get up and instantly. you smell it uh it's not like an injection that i don't know I was assuming that's why you said it was like. No, salt. I guess I was I was making that comparison because the I haven't seen it in person. I just I've heard about it, but it just it gets they literally stand like you administer it, however that is, and it just it's almost instant. Gotcha, gotcha. But either way, that's interesting. Well, it's um, good that he's recommending people that they do that, but yeah, I, it's I an would, interesting I would, approach. I would I would question, and maybe I'm not, I don't have my finger on the pulse of the Surgeon General, but. I didn't. I didn't hear about that. Like, what's his communication method? And that's a good point. Um, yeah, and I was actually watching, um, uh, you know, report from a video that the previous Surgeon General put out, 
And he was talking about that, how, you know, nowadays you have to consider all forms of communication, including social media and all that stuff, um, to get your message out there. So I don't know if that, if that was done at all, but I heard it on NPR specifically. So. Well, I missed it if it was on NPR, but, um, it could have been through my local, you know, I was listening to my local station and it could have been a story that they reported rather than nationally. I don't know if they're saying stuff serious enough, but like, you know how you get Amber alerts on your phone? Yep. You just get Surgeon General updates. Oh, Surgeon General says, uh, don't go outside. <laughs> There's giant monsters out there. Don't go out there. <laughs> giant, giant guinea pigs. <laughs> That's a solid um, joke. Yeah, so, and going a little further into the responsibilities, so, like I said, um, in general... Responsibility to protect, promote, and advance the health and safety and security um, of the U.S. So it's basically the most prestigious position an American physician can take. Um, And I forget where I read this, but an interesting way to look at it is you can almost see their patient base as 300 plus million people, right? Because they're addressing the most critical issues that face public health of all of the U.S., so it's almost like they're not seeing patients individually necessarily, but... um. So you're saying the Surgeon General is my primary care provider? (laughs) I will call to set up an appointment Monday. (laughs) Waiting list is six months long. That's right, people. If you ever try to go to a specialist and they try to bullshit you about a primary care provider, you tell them. No, no. The Surgeon General, Jerome Adams... (laughs) He sent me. He's the twentieth Surgeon General. I have of the US. a referral right here. <laughs> he said I should come here. Um. Yeah. So the the health warnings um, that you see on products and stuff is actually like a. I mean, that's a pretty sub part of what they do. It's just or what he does and his team, but it is just a very. Um, visible. Yeah, just a visible sign of their work, I guess. Um, but something pretty interesting that him and his team are actually on call 24-7 and can be dispatched by the ASH person, the assistant. Um, right. Yeah, whatever, and his superior. So <laughs> Jerome Adams is he's can be on the call of duty at any moment. Basically. What uh, Do you have any... Like, examples I guess of like what that disease, would be. Yeah, like a disease outbreak or something. I maybe. guess so. Yeah, I'm not too sure um, of what that would entail. But all right, so let's take a few minutes here and dig into the products that you see Surgeon General's warnings on and and what they look like and and all about that because that's again the part that we all see and it's kind of interesting. Um. So like I said before, 64 is when the whole thing started with smoking and it being bad for you and putting labels on stuff. They didn't show up until 1966, and believe it or not, the U.S. was actually the first ones to do that. Um, so worldwide, we're the first. Yeah. But, yeah, right? <laughs> Contrary to that is that today we're the worst at it because we have, if you just look at a pack of cigarettes... 
the font is pretty small relative to others here. Um, and there's pretty loose regulation on it, so the text and label can be blended in kind of with the rest of the packaging. Um, there's really no coloring required, so you can just make it blend to the design. Um, and basically we have four rotating requirements as far as text goes that you might see. So, um, just, I don't have to read all four, but, um, things like smoking by pregnant women may result in fatal injury, premature birth, and low birth weight. Yep. Um, this one's kind of weird. Cigarette smoke contains carbon monoxide. That one seem, while certainly true, if you don't know the implica implications of ingesting carbon monoxide, that does nothing for you. Uh... Yeah. Right? That is that, an interesting like, choice. Somebody who doesn't know about how bad that is could read that and go, okay, great. There's also <laughs> tobacco in here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so basically we have these four rotating text requirements that can be easily missed on the package um, as opposed to around the world where they have pretty graphic images on packs of cigarettes like i'm talking pictures of cancerous lungs dead people dead babies um damn mouth cancer pictures it's pretty and it takes up like the package like you're <laughs> buying a box of so if cancer. i go to like i'm just gonna guess but if i go to like a northern european country and try to buy a pack of cigarettes mm -hmm. there's just gonna be potentially just like a decrepit lung oh yeah most likely. Uh, they're pretty much... I don't... The list of countries that have um, warnings on the packages is quite extensive. It's it's not just a handful. It's most, I would say. Um, yeah, so... And the sad thing about all this... Actually, wait. Before I move on. the My, my favorite one... I shouldn't say favorite. It's pretty horrible that this is even a thing. But um, there's one. I think it's in it's in Europe somewhere. Um, just in big text on the front, it says, smoking can cause a slow and painful death. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty brutal elsewhere. Um, and, yep. I, I, I was just going to say, it, it is a pretty brutal smoking in general. I mean, everybody's got their own choices. Yeah. But, um... Well, so in the whole debacle here is... And I agree with the fact that adults should be able to do whatever they want with their bodies, right? Mm -hmm. Should be able. There's. If you want to smoke cigarettes, fine. If you want to drink alcohol, fine. Whatever. As long as you're um, not impacting anybody else, that's the. As long as you're not impacting anybody else, that's huge. But the biggest problem here is like the blatant advertising to children. Yep. Right, and getting kids hooked on because once you're hooked on it, it's obviously no secret that it's hard to not be. So. Not that's to go where too the, far that's where tangent. the trouble. Yeah, not to, to go too far on a tangent on cigarettes, but there's also um, a lot of evidence that the heavy metals that are in the filters that people toss on the ground, like uh -huh. the cigarette butts, uh -huh. that has a that has a pretty significant environmental impact. Oh wow, I didn't yeah. even think about that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um. So the sad part about all this, in my opinion, is that there's currently like a pretty big legal battle going on between the FDA and the tobacco companies 
to put these pictures on. Obviously, oh. the FDA is in favor of it, and everybody who doesn't smoke is in favor of it, but the tobacco companies are not. Um, and I think one of the, the biggest, um, you know, claims against doing this is that it's a breach of, of free speech, um, for these companies, which apparently worked. Um, yeah, so it's been going on for like a decade now, um, and they've gotten pretty close. There was even like a big list of submitted potential images and text to go on these packages that got ultimately tossed out but right um so they're still working on that uh and then just real quick some other things that you i know you asked before so um other products and these ones are kind of obvious but smokeless tobacco or dip or chewing tobacco whatever alcohol alcohol yeah um e-cigarettes i don't know much but i know that the Surgeon General just recently, very recently, put out warnings against e-cigarettes, which there weren't any before. So it was, you know, without doing any research, you can kind of see how people would think that they might be a safe alternative. But I guess that's now advised not the case. Um, Quick, I was getting on a plane once, and this woman was smoking an e-cigarette, mm-hmm. like, on the causeway, you know, the... the what do they call that? The jetway? There's a name for it. The thing that you walk down from the terminal oh, to the... Um, I think it's a... It doesn't matter. I don't know um, if it's a causeway. Might be actually called a jetway, but... She was, so she's making big clouds of this thing. You know how those vapes, like... So if you yeah. do it, I guess yeah, if you, you, can, you set can it up... It. Yeah. They and have competitions then, for that, you know? Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a while ago now. This is over a year ago. Uh, maybe two years ago. Yeah, two years. Um, so we step across the, the boundary into the plane itself, and she is puffing away. Oh, like, man. Inside into the, the plane. Inside the plane, sitting in her seat. That's really. Going for it. Nobody said anything. Nobody said anything. Next time I get on a plane, Southwest Airlines, uh, which would have been like, this was the return trip, so maybe a month later when I went back to where I was going, um, they, you know, the e-cigs were banned. Now, of course, it wasn't this one lady that got <laughs> banned. It was clearly an issue. But I just was yeah. so shocked that she was just... It uh, was crazy. Yeah, just, I mean, ripping this thing, like, frequently as people are boarding, like, inside the plane. Yeah, I don't know if there's, like, a secondhand vape warning or I'm sure concern. Like, they're probably, crazy. probably. Yeah. All right, okay, so the last thing I want to mention here... Yeah. Yeah, before we we move on, um, is that there's currently a um, legal exchange going on, and I believe it's just in California, but people want a Surgeon's General warning on coffee. What? <laughs> what yeah, do they want to do to our coffee? Right? God damn I'm it. Si- I'm sitting up in my chair now. <laughs> I'm glad I have your attention. Um, because it apparently contains a carcinogen. Yeah, yeah. Which is our... Okay, I'm going to mess this one up. Acrylamide? Acrylamide, actually. Yeah, that's not so bad. I could do that. <laughs> Acrylamide. Nice. Um, but 
And the reason it's there is because of the roasting process. So that same acrylamide is in tons of things that are roasted or cooked. Like they say that charcoal, like if you if you have blackened chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's in plenty of things other than just coffee, and allegedly, I I don't have numbers for any of you, but um, the the amounts are so small that it's ridiculous. So. Just a bunch of coffee haters. Yeah, just a bunch of <laughs> coffee haters. What the hell, man? But anyway, not to hate, that's not going to hate on. on California, but California. I mean, they're progressive in a lot of ways. Slowly but they roll. do have a lot of, uh, like, let's put it this way: when Yamaha makes a motorcycle, they make an R6, which is a fat, you know, a motorcycle, and then they make an R6C, which is the California version. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there's California versions of all cars. Yeah. Which just, in some ways, be your own I, country. I, you know, yeah. Well, in some Let's ways, they get know. a lot of credit. Set them they free. get a lot of. Sometimes a, the things you love, you got to set them free. They did do that thing where they um, you pay extra if you have a black car. What? I if I still this was a thing Is that because least, it reflects less light. It, yeah, because you're basically if you have a black car, the thought is is that you're going to run your AC more. Whoa! And ultimately use more energy. All right, that's I right, don't hate that actually. That's right, kinda, it's pretty. It's pretty, that's getting into the details, and I don't I don't mind that. That's pretty well thought out. Yeah, I agree. But I'd still. like to see some data, but yeah, I might be. That's a maybe that's a that's a piece of information that I've I've. That's I heard that twenty years ago now at this point. Hmm. Um so maybe that's not a thing anymore, but or it never was and it was just stupid kid bullshit. But I don't really see how that could it's not maybe if your interior is black. But the outside of the car I don't really see I mean, yeah, I guess it could absorb oh, more energy, but how much of that energy makes it to the interior? Hang on, I'm hitting up Snopes. Um, they were considering banning black cars. They're definitely not. They definitely didn't ban them. Uh, Snopes article's too long for me to summarize without boring the listeners. So. Uh, California, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, maybe if they're not... Also, I just... This data is from, like, 2009. I don't know what I was getting out of that 20, 20 years ago, but... Anyway, <laughs> um, if they don't have a ban or you pay a tax... I thought they had a tax on it, but either way, it's at least something that they discuss, which is pretty cool. It's a, it's a well-thought-out idea, at least, it seems. Yeah. Anyway... Yeah, so there you go. There's the Surgeon General. All the information that you potentially didn't even care to know. But now you <laughs> I'm have still it. a little confused as to how there's only 20 and there's been, what, uh, 49 presidents? Well, I think part of that's because the 20 is including when it was actually called Surgeon General, which was when? Uh, oh, okay, okay. Late 1800s, so... So we had... Uh... We had a few presidents. You can go look that. up the list. I don't have it in front of me, but forty fifth um, president. Yeah, you can go you can go look. 
Well, <clears throat> what's it going to be? How are you going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> I would say that California, maybe Florida, even uh, they would be petitioning the Surgeon General to place on the outside of donks that you should what? not get inside a donk for fear of rolling said vehicle and uh, potentially hurting yourself. So maybe <laughs> maybe putting a Surgeon's General warning on the outside of a donk might I be. hope that there someday is enough people driving a donk that it requires a public service announcement. <laughs> Would you mind explaining to the listeners what a donk, D-O-N-K? Oh, happily, happily. <laughs> All right, so a donk is, in general, you take a late 80s, maybe early 90s GM car, something like a, um, I would say a Crown Vic, like the cop car, an old cop car is the newest vehicle you would see like this, or maybe an older Caprice or something. Um, but an older GM or Ford vehicle, and you lift it up a couple inches, and you put massive wheels on it. I'm talking like no smaller than probably 26 inches. Really big. 24, maybe, if the car is smaller. But yeah, generally a full-size rear-wheel drive vehicle where you lift this, the body up and you put these big-ass tire wheels on it with small very tires. Small, very small yeah. tires. Um, and generally, um, I don't know, at least the ones I've seen, they're really, they're well done. Like, the people are passionate about their cars. They seem to be, anyway. It's not just a piece of shit car with big wheels on it. It's actually well thought out, and they I can would, look cool. I would agree, yeah. Yeah, they can look absolutely ridiculous, and I'm sure they're mostly terrible to drive. Because Oh, you and have... to be fair, even the good-looking ones are, are insane-looking just because of the fact that they are a donk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but they can be cool. I I saw one once. I forget what the car was. It was a 70-something Buick, I believe. It had this boat tail shape to it. Um, and it was lifted up just enough, but it was sitting nicely on its giant wheels. It wasn't like it had this big fender gap. It was almost... It had the 26-inch wheels, but it was almost slammed on them a little bit. And it actually looked <laughs> really cool. <laughs> So maybe the a top the top part of the wheel just snuck underneath. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, yeah. it was pretty fresh, I gotta say. Yeah. They looked like they were having fun <laughs> driving that. And I think at least in South Carolina, the time I spent down there, you've everybody's heard the term candy paint. I think the No, the, and I no, don't... no, no, that's not true. <laughs> no. That's not no. <laughs> That's not common. Not not everybody knows that. I don't. I mean, maybe, but. All right. Well, candy paint typically <laughs> means like a. It's got a, a heavy metallic flake flake into it. So like a candy red is gonna when it's in the sun, it's gonna have like a metal flake inside of it that makes it really shiny and sparkly. That's typical, and it's got this really like uh, luster look to it. But in South Carolina, I saw tons of donks where I think they took candy paint very literally because they would put graphics of like Skittles and Mike Smarties and stuff. Mike and I, yeah, whatever. Name your. I think we there was one that was Lucky Charms, <laughs> and they put these big ass graphics on the side for these candies. It was hilarious. I actually was also fortunate enough to see a Skittles donk in <laughs> in, in Dallas, Texas. Yes, it's awesome. Definitely seems to be more of a southern thing. 
For sure. So my topic uh, <laughs> last <laughs> is not specifically dunks, but oh. <laughs> uh, we can, we 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 got plenty to talk about with them because they're they're one of the premier car they cultures. Are fun fun automotive culture, from yeah. what I know. So last to... last episode we were talking about the cafe stuff. Um, yeah. You were t- you were telling us about the cafe stuff, and I asked you a question um, that was in part related to or was about the American car culture in the '70s and the gas crisis and all that. So um, car culture in general is is what I was thinking about, oh. and um, so donks are a specific genre of of the car cultures that are yeah, out there. Right? Very very specific. Um, so before going into some of the more broader stuff about car culture uh donks originated in florida and the og versions of these cars are 71 to 76 chevrolet caprices or impalas so you you nailed it um and at least this website i'm looking at i was looking at auto week because auto week not only wanted to tell me about what donks are but mm-hmm. should I want to build one? I mean, here's my, I got my resource. <laughs> I don't uh, think it's so, very hard. No, I could be wrong on that. But put some put some spring spacers in there and get the wheels. Yeah, there's things you should do other than that, but you don't have to. Brakes so, mainly. The '90s in South Florida is when this sort of became a thing, and then as you okay. said, it's mostly a Southern thing. You really, yeah. I'd, I'd never seen one until going to Texas, and then mm-hmm. also. Uh, with you in South Carolina. Yeah. Yep. Um, but you can go pick up a donor car, as they call it, uh, probably about seven, eight grand these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or if you're looking for a pre-built one, you're looking low end, three hundred. I'm sorry, thirty thousand dollars high end. You know, with all the you know TVs and you know craziness. You know, yeah. you can spend Fully you can spend the world, but yeah, a hundred grand maybe. That's beyond the requirements to be a donk, yeah, though. Yeah, but you, you can get a donk going for, I don't know, 15 grand probably? Oh, less than that, dude. You could probably buy, at least today, I mean, those cars aren't that desirable otherwise. So you could get a <laughs> clean one for a couple grand. And honestly, there were, not that it was typical, but there were definitely some donks in South Carolina where the wheels and tires were twice the price of the car that they were stuck that's to. amazing yeah that's incredible <laughs> yeah and as you said uh no hate because as, no, as crazy not. as they as crazy as they look and as uh, as you said they must be awful to drive i mean <laughs> <laughs> i mean you're not starting with a car that's necessarily a hot performer in the first place no but um <laughs> as you said a lot of them i mean that the ones that we saw that they Amen. clearly love their car so if you're having fun with it then Power that's all on. that matters yeah um, so yeah, the, the car culture thing in general, though, got me thinking about like just the nature of, of like human behavior. It's one of those things like sports teams, like national pride, like car culture and your identification with a particular culture and maybe with you know, a particular subculture within that, uh, a particular side, if you will. You know, humans just seem to flock to this sort of thing, and with so the, like with like choosing sides, you mean? Well, and and also wanting to be a part of oh sure a group okay. in general. Yeah, so like definitely. you've got the you know Ford versus Chevy people, 
Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that just I, that seems to be dying away to some degree. But I think, um, and actually, that's it. A it is a little bit less. Um, so, would you, you know, s- younger people are less brand loyal. Yeah, it seems. So, would you say that America really? I mean, I, I know the answer to this, but would you say that America got the car culture as a thing started? Um, yeah, I think so because, yeah, I mean, we're we're really the first ones to get a lot of people into cars in the first place, right? So that obviously needs to happen. We also um, um, we also built a lot of infrastructure, very like the Eisenhower Highway, and uh, w- we we took to cars very quickly. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, and they, you know, I, I would say really starting in the fifties, they really yeah. became like a status icon, and the styling started getting, you know, crazy. <laughs> like people, you know, they became more than just transportation yeah. at that point. It's funny you brought up the 50s. Uh, So another uh, spotlight on a particular car culture, very interesting one, to me at least, uh, the Cuban car culture. I don't know if you know too much about this. Oh, yeah. So 1962, February 8th specifically, is the day that JFK said no more stuff gets into Cuba. Mm -hmm. And that effectively put a, a freeze on... A lot of stuff, cars particularly. Yeah, so they were getting in, most of their cars from here, right? Oh yeah, yep. Uh, I think actually only. I don't even only. know if they were having any coming from any other places, really. Okay. Um, I'm sure a few here and there, but absolutely, we we had the dominant share of the market. Um. So yeah, that happened, and and so they they weren't getting any new vehicles, and and more importantly, no new parts or or <laughs> parts to fix stuff. So. Yeah. If you go to Cuba, even today, if you go to Cuba, it's a lot of people say it is it is like stepping back in a lot of ways to the 50s and the 60s. And a lot of that has to do with the cars that are driving around. Mm -hmm. And what's really fascinating about these cars is how they've continued to function, really. Yeah, the means at which people repair them and keep them going. So some examples of like what's going on down there. Um, 53 Oldsmobiles. Um, there's, uh, I was reading a couple articles and this one guy had a 53 Oldsmobile. I didn't get the exact model, uh, but somehow he had hooked up. I didn't quite understand this and they didn't really explain it, but he had some sort of welding machine, like the, the engine from a welding, probably the motor from a, a welding machine. That was his engine basically. What? Yeah. Um, like I what said, kind of, it, what kind of welder is that? I don't know. Very old one where it okay. uses an actual motor to generate the energy needed to weld. So he converted it to an electric car? Or uh, I think he, t- I think he took the like, like I said, the, the article like passed over that. Maybe I should <laughs> That's even... a pretty important detail. It, it was for me, too. I was kind of mad. Maybe I should have left it out. Because <laughs> they didn't explain it. They just said it had a... They, they said welding machine engine, and I put a question mark next to that in my notes. Uh, that, that's... Um, yeah, anyway, anyway. 57 Pontiac Star Chief. Oh, which That's had a, cool a four-cylinder Kia engine. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Actually, that, that four-cylinder probably makes more power than that car used to anyway. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> uh, 
um, that guy was talking about how he smuggled different parts in and was talking yeah. About, yeah. So I remember to... watching a video of of people trading parts a lot too. You yeah, know, yeah. Basically, because what's there is there, so you make do one way pretty or another. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, and then one guy had an original, or well, fairly original, uh, fifty-five Bel Air Chevy Bel Air, and it had the original engine in it. And these guys had money, um, mm-hmm. supercharged engine, and a few other things. It was it was a proper, about as original as you can expect a, a Cuban Bel Air to be. And they were still running the real skinny '50s tires, oh. and so they they would describe it. They were describing how this thing drove, and it's just, it's just <laughs> spin, spinning up the rear end all over the place. Oh, I wonder where they get tires from. I, that was an excellent thought because I, a 50 year old, if if they're really running, I, they must be the same spec tire and not actually tires from the '50s not because like a modern no compound, way. but just the right, the same width and stuff. Right, it would have to yeah. be yeah. right. Yeah, because. Of all things to not import, I mean, you're not going to spend the money to buy recreation 50s tires. No. Nor would f- tires from that time be around now in you a, can usable, buy, in you a can, usable state. Yeah. Well, you can buy um, recreation tires, and I don't know if they – I don't know if you can get the original, like, old-school compounds. Hopefully not, because that's being unsafe for no reason. In um, modern, so in motorcycle racing today, when they do vintage racing, it's exactly yeah. what you're talking about. The profile of the tire and the shape and everything of the tire is old spec, but the materials used to make the tire right, is, is up to date. Is up to date, yep. Yeah. So they actually recently, within the past couple of years, lifted that that ban. So you can now bring new cars into Cuba, but at least the last time I heard about it, it was very, (laughs) the reception and execution of that was quite slow. Like, most people were like, well, we've been driving these for the last, forever, so let's just keep doing that. So the article that I was reading, to that effect, the article that I was reading, one of them, um, was written in 2014, so prior to the lifting of, of what you're of the. Okay. But they were claiming that to get a uh, a new Peugeot 508. Uh, I don't know. Do you know what a 508 is? Yeah, it's a little. Um, I, uh, it's either a, a it's a basic sedan or hatchback. I don't remember which one, okay. but it's, like it's a, a basic car. Or something. It's nothing crazy. Yeah, two hundred and seventy thousand US. Whoa. That's yeah. how much okay. it would ultimately so, no. cost. Yeah. So exactly. there you go. There's your answer. Why? <laughs> so now that's 2014. So that's pre-lifting or easing of the embargoes. But mm-hmm. I can't imagine it's m- much better than that. It's going to be better, but not much. So when the U.S. cut ties, was Cuba not able to, or did they just not try to make any relations elsewhere? So some Russian cars were imported. Um, and also some, some Japanese cars, Kias and whatnot, or, mm-hmm. well, those are Korean, sorry. Uh, How dare but, you. yeah, but I mean, the U S embargo really did, really did a lot of damage in that respect. Um, so yeah, right. they tried to, but Russia, especially if you consider what was going on at the time with the relationship between Russia and Cuba was, you know, good. Cause Russia was giving 
you know, Russia was using Cuba as a place to store missiles during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So Russia was really their only ally. So the only significant source, at least to my knowledge, the only other significant source of vehicles was whatever Russia was willing to ship over. But uh, the U.S. literally put up blockades at times to like prevent, okay. not specifically prevent cars from getting in, but to prevent anything from getting in. Hmm. Okay, got it. Yeah, so... So yeah, they've been making do. Is the point with the Cuban carb culture? But I, I mean, the pictures. I, boy, these things are are cool looking. It just yeah, some of those in, the, in their own in their own right, the way they've been taken care of and how they've been weathered. You know, they don't look fresh and new, of course, but they look awesome. And they've it's funny. Just got, because, they've got that natural patina. Right. That's right. You don't you don't remove that. <laughs> um, and it's funny. A couple engine bay picks these newer modern engines when they get put into the engine bays of these things. Oh, it's, it's like putting probably looks a little silly. It looks extreme. I mean, the engines are tiny compared to <laughs> There's just so much room around it. Um, so yeah, I thought the Cuban, that one was a neat example of now that one has a lot less to do with like people wanting to be on a particular team or anything. It's like a forced culture. Almost. Right. Right. Um, I was curious too while I was thinking about this. Do you have any thoughts or knowledge that? Whoops, sorry, I just hit my mic on something. Um, <laughs> you probably heard that sounded weird. That was crazy sounding. Yeah, hopefully that's not too loud. Um, what was the deal with like when when you pop the trunk on a, like a '70s Lincoln? Yeah. I mean, you could throw a whole family in the back of that thing. The trunk yeah. inside, just the trunk. Mm-hmm. Why? Why was the American car culture at that, well, really for like a long time, so, why are the cars so darn big? Like what? Because <laughs> um, like a, fi- a 50s Bel Air is giant as well. Yeah. And so is the 70s Lincoln. Bigger is better, dude. <laughs> it's just, I mean, really, that's what it comes, from my understanding, that's what it comes down to is just, we just we saw things for whatever reason and it probably stems from before car culture just bigger is better we don't want small cars small means inferior um so it was just seen as a as a point of pride to have a big american luxury vehicle um a highway cruiser yeah and i don't really know exactly where that I th- I'm assuming it comes from something that's beyond cars and that just translates to cars. Um, uh, yeah, because I it's would... not like it's not like we were all about tiny houses, but big cars and it's bigger everything, right? It's true. Now, a contrary to it is Japan, where there are like geographical size location or er, limitations, right? So things just kind of have to be smaller because there's less room. I was going to ask you about these things. I could not remember the name of these little cars. Key cars. Key cars. <laughs> they're the best. And they're adorable. <laughs> they're amazing. And I because wish I could drive they, one. They are, well, we, you and I, could you and I even fit in one? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, it's either, I don't know if it's key or K. I really don't. I've never known. Yeah. It looks I've, like key to us. Yeah, it looks like he does, but it might be pronounced K-Car. Um, K-E-I is how it's spelled, so... They're hilarious because yeah. they are... 
they are smaller versions of, but they take they look like bigger cars. Like it's, it's like some they have the styling of any modern car, but they're just tiny. Yeah, they got scrunched <laughs> down. Like so, the, there's an. I remember looking this up. There's a Ferrari F40 that just looks like it got squashed end to end. Somebody turned into a K car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's um. Oh, so and I guess we could back up. The reason they're small, they have like. I mean, the reason is exactly what we were just describing. They want to limit the amount of space these things are taking up in just smaller roads and smaller parking spaces and blah, blah, blah. Um, and there are certain size requirements that they have to fit in, including engine sizes. But one of the most famous ones I'm aware of from an American perspective, there's a couple, but um, the AutoZam AZ1. I know I've told you about this before, and I don't know if it was on this show or not, but... Um, Man, this thing, you gotta go go look it up, because uh, it's the coolest little car. AutoZam? Yeah, one word. AZ-1. Yeah. It looks like a tiny little MR2, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it has freaking gullwing doors, and these big round headlights, and it's got round tail. It's just so cool. And they're, um, they're now within the age of being able to be imported into the U.S., so... <gasps> You can they're popping up on on used car websites all over the place now <laughs> in the U.S. It's great. That is pretty amazing. Uh, this it has a 657 cc dual overhead cam, 12 valve turbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah 12 yeah. valve turbo. Uh, 12 volts is what I 12 V is oh, what no, I no, say. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, probably valve. Five speed manual. It's a, a three cylinder, so that dude, that thing's gonna move. Dude, do you? I'm assuming you're on the Wikipedia page. Do you see how much it weighs? <laughs> 720 <laughs> kilograms, which is 1,500 pounds. <laughs> which, amazing. for perspective, is for a car, is crazy light. Yeah. So a modern example is the Honda S660. Okay. Um, and it's also within these size requirements, and it's a little sports car. And, dude, I just wish you could buy these things over here because this is a modern car. That weighs 1,800 pounds and has a six-speed manual. <laughs> See, now this thing, I'm looking at it right now. This yeah. thing, to me, looks like what I would have thought. I mean, I get taking the stylings of other cars and squashing them down, and that's cute and everything. But this, to me, is like what I would have thought key cars would have been about. This where is this its thing, own car. This is its own car. It doesn't yeah. look squashed. It looks, yeah. it looks I impressive. Think the funniest versions of key cars, though, K cars, whatever. I'm going to say both, so I only upset... Everyone? Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, are the vans. Let me see if I can find one. Um, I'm typing in key car Dude, van. they're so funny. Actually, the first one that shows up on Wikipedia when you type in key car, it's the Suzuki Wagon. It, I mean, it just is such a box. It's hilarious. It's just like, okay, we're... We literally have this box that we can design this car within, so let's just make it the box. (laughs) (laughs) No need to get fancy about it. (laughs) We have this tiny size, so we might as well use all of it. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, Great segue into... Are these things originally from Japan? The key cars? Yeah, it started there. Yeah. I don't know if they're anywhere else, even today. Uh, Probably. Well, actually, let me. We'll take a roundabout trip there. Um, 
what would you say is the current state of American car culture? Oh man. Well, it's interesting because you have a lot of different levels. Um, you have the group that's probably always been really tiny and I'm sure is a small or smaller than ever before that likes really vintage stuff like model T's and brass era cars, they call them, you know, where you have wagon wheels and, Oh wow. That is old school. A soft top with headlights that are burning lanterns. Sorry, real quick. Uh, I did when I was looking at the donks, I did see, I couldn't believe it. It was, it, it had to have not been like a rolling, uh, it was a donk with wagon wheels, <laughs> <laughs> like not tired. Like it couldn't have been yeah. road legal. It didn't. It wasn't road legal. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah. So you have that group, which is very specialized. I mean that that requires, first of all, in my opinion, those cars, while interesting, aren't something I would desire to even own. Or, I guess I would like to experience one once, but that would be about it. Right. Um. So you got that that area there and then i would say the next jump up is going to be things like 30s 40s 50s 60s cars where you kind of have that middle ground there um i know that covers a very broad thing but um basically cars that baby boomers would be interested in because they grew up with those cars on the road um so muscle cars and stuff and the interesting thing about muscle cars they're coming back um well I would, no. I'm thinking the prices of of classic cars, classic muscle cars, you know, these 70 Chevelles. Oh, yeah. Nice is They're crazy now because a lot of the people that are really interested in those cars, it's like now or never to get them, <laughs> honestly. Because they're dying. more Yeah, as, <laughs> as depressing as that might sound. but Yeah, yeah. Um, so prices of that stuff has been going up like crazy the last couple of years. Maybe so what you're decade. saying is all you and I have to do is wait couple more <laughs> wait a little bit longer and i can well, finally get my own 70s corvette maybe I would totally but the thing that. is is so while those people really are interested in those cars you have you know the next generation you could say our generation that really loves the late 80s and the 90s cars are really starting to get really popular and <clears throat> so we're not really that interested in the the 70s cars as much so those will eventually come down and right now, I mean, we were talking the other day, a, I forget what the year was, a 98 or a 99, Toyota 4Runner <laughs> sold on this website called Bring a Trailer, which is a an auction site. It was <laughs> That's a perfect, an awesome name. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was the most perfect example of one of these things you're going to find today. But in the end, it's a 90s SUV. And it sold for like $24,000. Basically, what? you could go buy a brand new version actually even more insane than that because those do have quite the following but a 2000 honda civic si that for some reason somebody out there in the world decided to only put a couple thousand miles on this thing sold for ooh, it was like twenty five thousand dollars or something like that the amount of money where you could have just gone out and bought a brand new one and it was a 20 year old car um so yeah point being that nostalgia for 90s cars is is really starting to go up and it's going to keep going up for a while because the people now that used to have those cars on their posters in their bedrooms as kids now have the money to go get it buy them yeah and i 
if I had a place to put, it's actually a good thing that I don't have a garage right now because <laughs> if I had a place to put things, dude, I can I, attest to that. I would be buying things. Yes. <laughs> um, I can, I can well, that's a much that. more positive answer than I was expecting because and maybe it's always been this way because maybe specific car cultures, when we talk about past ones, you're looking through rose colored glasses, but mm. I was going to suggest that like the modern fat SUV that you just see everywhere. Well, yeah. But okay. that's all, I would, that's probably always I was the case at the masses, as, yeah. Yeah, I was looking at it from a, a um, enthusiast lens. Yeah, no, that, You're that's... You're talking about a, uh, a consumer lens. Yeah, yeah, but no, I, I prefer surprising. to think about the enthusiasts, and actually that yeah. made me think about it's only going to get more intense because as electric vehicles move in and as the day approaches where it will be illegal to drive a gas-powered engine on a road, mm-hmm. I actually, now now you're making me think that uh, car cultures like these are only going to get more popular as we approach that yeah, day. Yeah, they might. Because um, I want to drive my imported Toyota Supra from mm-hmm. the Fast and the Furious <laughs> I, I need to I need to get that on the road before that happens. Yeah, I think it might become, you know, because right now you have niche communities within a activity that the majority of people participate in. Right. And eventually it could become totally where th- those niche communities are the only thing left of right. what cars are as we know today. Completely bespoke, like yeah. just yeah, which will make the entry probably more difficult yeah absolutely yeah yeah isn't that funny that um the forerunner thing is uh, so i'm out i'm out in colorado and out here there's two things as far as car culture goes this is apparently just the mecca for forerunners uh that's where i need to be (laughs) (laughs) and then also uh it is the largest subaru market in the yeah, world. you you in Vermont, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's, um, uh, that uh, you remember the AMC Eagle I had, of course. Mm-hmm. Which, for those who don't know, which I'm not surprised if you don't, is a <laughs> nobody nobody knows what an AMC <laughs> Eagle is. That is for sure. It's okay. Um, basically, the first crossover. It was a lifted wagon with all wheel drive, four wheel drive, not all wheel drive, four wheel drive. Um. The majority of those were sold in Colorado, like, no doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen a, a, a couple here and there, yeah. which is more than I ever saw anywhere else. Dude, when that Forerunner sold on Bring a Trailer for that much money, I obviously didn't become even close to doing it, but I was thinking, like, I should list mine, because mine was more, despite the mileage being higher, was a more desirable trim than the one that sold for a ridiculous amount. So, hop on that like train. You're sitting on a gold mine. Apparently. But you love that it, thing, so. Yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> so, well, I, got, uh, I was going to say more larger topics on car culture because I'm curious, like. Well, do you want to hear, do you want to look up a really crazy one? I've got some more honorable mentions. So, yeah, let's, okay. let's, All right. Yeah, All right. let's run through some of those. So, right. what's what's yours? Um, uh, okay, so it's another Japanese subculture, but... Okay, uh, that's where my next You one, probably right? have it. Well, what is it? You say yours. The Bozukus? Yep. 
<laughs> Ridiculous, man. Okay, yeah. So um, earlier I was going to – whoops, that was my phone. Um, boy, we're getting a little You're sloppy. dropping shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the Bozuku – Bozuko. No, Bozuko. Bozozoko. Bozo – Bozoku. Bozoku. Bozo uh, Jesus. B O S O Z O K U. Yeah, Bozozo. <laughs> Bozozoku. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Um, I originally thought, so I'm going to try to describe this for everyone. I know we're doing some visual stuff right now. Yeah. But um, I'll just say, originally, I thought it was based on like Japanese anime. And like the dramatic stylings that might be associated with like oh interesting, but that uh, I think this actually came around before that. But they basically what it is is they take cars, and its its primary signifier is what they do to the outside of the car, the visuals of the car, mm-hmm, rather than mm-hmm. the engine and whatnot. Yeah, and they take these cars and they put just the most exaggerated uh, sort of body kits yeah. and extensions of the mufflers. Extensions of the fenders. I mean, I'm looking at a car right now that has a spoiler that yep. totally blocks you from seeing out. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see out the back of the car, and it's got a mu- They'll take the they'll take the mufflers and they'll so where your muffler. That's would one normally, of the most iconic things. I yeah, think. where the muffler would normally end, you know, on yeah. the bottom of the car, they they extend it with more piping to just go up into the air, like like. Feet. All yeah, many many feet above the car. <laughs> I'm looking at another uh, car here with its like its wheel wells are just the car's wider than a Hummer. Yeah, um, like so take your take a car that's a normal width and the width of the take the wheel and move it completely outside the vehicle. So like yes, yes. a foot outside the vehicle and then cover <laughs> that with a foot a uh, wheel well. So these wheel wells are just so bulging and exaggerated like if if the wheel if the fender wasn't there the wheel itself the tire would be would completely be exposed exactly 100 yeah. percent uncovered <laughs> now and the splitters the splitter is what yeah. yep. is like the it's basically the chin under the front of the car most cars have a little thing there to kind of deflect air they'll stick those out like Basically, look, it looks like a mattress worth of material hanging. I'm off looking the front at one that's got to be four feet extended <laughs> from the front of the car. It's crazy. So then, like, also, they have motorcycles. Yeah, I think it started with motorcycles. I could that be wrong. That was my understanding but... too, actually. Yeah. Um, the motorcycles. The most iconic thing with the motorcycle is if you imagine where the second person is sitting on a motorcycle. Yeah. The the seat that's behind them, the back of the seat, much mm-hmm. like the muffler pipes on the cars, extends. Many, many feet into the air, oh, like obnoxiously. So is that where it comes from, maybe? Maybe. Maybe mm. the mufflers are recreated. My understanding, too, was that the motorcycles were the first. Because um, after yeah. World War II, motorcycles were the big thing in Japan. Um, yeah. a, lot of the, a lot of the aeronautical uh, scientists, because Japan now was not allowed to work on aircraft mm. after World War II, they went over to motorcycling, and that's why Yamaha exists. That's, yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, bazoo, uh, whatever it is, bozo, zozo, zozo, zoku. So the crazy thing about this, and my favorite part, I think, is that there's even like a, 
I don't know if it has a different name, but there's a sub part of this that focuses on vans. Yes. Have you looked at any of the vans? I have seen many vans. (sighs) And they look great. Crazy. The vans. Great way. Yeah. It works well with the vans. It does. It does. Now, that being said, also with the cars, there are some where take the exaggerated styling and, you know, if most of these things are at a 9 and a 10, dial it back to like a 7. And they actually look super cool. Yeah. They, I mean, they're not probably great to drive, but that's not the point, I don't think. No. Like, I'm looking not. at a um, an old uh, RX-3, a Mazda RX-3 here, which is, you know, like a little two-door coupe. And it's got the extended um, wheel wells, but the wheels tuck up into it really nicely. And the chin spoiler is much reduced. Um, and it just, it's got a cool paint job. It looks it looks pretty sweet. So, so the wider... Yeah, to speak about Japan in a wider sense, they have a lot of car culture. They're like, yeah. they've almost taken the mantle. There's, yeah, it's, um, it's really, there's all kinds of subcultures that we won't go into, but they love their cars over there. Mm-hmm. Good, you know, we agree. Which is interesting for such a tiny little island. Yep. Um, but yeah, they've, uh, there's, um, I don't know quite how to, classified or if it has a specific name but just going much like the bozukus or geez bozozoku yeah sorry about that everyone (laughs) um the it's like lamborghinis and stuff and it's it's really exaggerated styling but less about the fenders and all that but Mm -hmm. more about like the lighting Yep, like the, the cars, the, the cars will go down the street. They look like Christmas trees. Yeah, it's crazy. Blinking and blinking yep. and doing all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. So some other honorable mentions. Uh, I didn't even know this was the term for them, uh, but out here in Colorado, much like there's a lot of Subarus and whatnot, uh, you got a lot of bro dozers. <laughs> oh, I'm familiar with that. South Carolina <laughs> had full tons. So of what's them. Uh, what's a bro dozer? <laughs> all right, bro dozer. Um, you know cookie cutter brodozer build is going to be like an f-250 crew cab ford Ford pickup truck yeah ford heavy duty pickup not a not an f-150 this is a 250 so meant for meant for real work um you lift that thing up like six inches at least (laughs) you got it six inches at least and then you um you put some some bigger wheels and tires on it that Look like they could be used for off-road, but probably not. Um, you know, got some meaty tires on there. You probably are going to do something with the exhaust, like shoot it out through the bed or something. Um, yeah, and then just, like, black out the trim and just make it look like... Think of, like, if Monster Energy built a pickup truck. Yeah, that's pretty You know accurate. what I mean by that. Yeah. <laughs> so, one thing I noticed about a couple bro dozers that I've seen, now that I know the yeah. term... Uh, oh, they they probably roll coal too. Oh, they, they definitely might. a lot they of might. them are rolling coal, which yeah. is a thing. Actually, I just out uh, there's a thing in the newspaper out here. Um, so coal rolling is when you take a diesel truck and you mess with the injectors or something, and you you basically you basically you basically dump unburned fuel into the exhaust post. Oh, post combustion. Okay. I believe I believe if you really truly want to artificially roll coal you can you can do it that way so somebody who wants to do this thing that i'm about to describe is truly an asshole because they 
they put in work to do this is what you're saying? Yes. So coal rolling is um, you take a diesel truck, which has been significantly modified. You're dumping fuel into the exhaust system after the engine, which that takes a lot of work to do. Um, and you output this just acrid, terrible black smoke. Yeah. And it's all a lot about of times, how much black smoke you can create. And a lot of times it's used to like spray people. Mm-hmm. So out here in Colorado, it's a it's not a felony, but it'll you'll get jail time. Of course, yeah. it's not a felony. That's not it's the way horrible. It works. I mean, it, really though, it's. But there was a there was a, a environmental thing going on in Telluride, Colorado, and mm-hmm. a guy made the papers because he was circling the block, coal rolling people, and they Dude. ended up arresting him. Good, good. It's a douchey thing to do, just from a human standpoint, and also you're just polluting for no reason. Yep. So. I'm not ashamed to say, you know, F you to people who do that. Yeah. So, but another thing about the bro dozers that I've seen is uh, when they do those crazy lifts, a lot of times they leave the axle uh, at ground level. Does that make sense? Do you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, your axle is always going to be your lowest point. So you could. They're leaving the difference. Sorry, they're leaving the transfer case and the, yeah. You're, so what you're describing is a body lift. Yes. So yes. on a on a frame a body on frame vehicle, you just have the body of the the thing that you're sitting in mounted to a frame, um, and so they'll put spacers in between those two. So basically, you're taking the the body and lifting it up in the air while leaving everything else where it was. Um, yeah, that's what it. Yes, that's what it looks like. For a simplified explanation of that, so that's what's happening there. Oh, um, okay. Also, you could, if you did really a dumb. if you did a proper lift, but then didn't upgrade the size of your tires, you could, um, you know, you'll end up grain, gaining ground clearance between the chassis and the ground, but the axles haven't gone anywhere. So, right. There's a couple things at play there. So that um, oh, well, I'm sorry, I do, I did, I write, wrote down one more. It's not really a car specific culture, but doing something with the cars. Uh, out in Saudi Arabia and other parts of the Middle East, oh it's no, I know really, what you're saying. It's really popular to go uh, out onto the highways and yep. just start drifting your car <laughs> around on the highway, ignoring all traffic laws and common sense. Dude, <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what they're doing over there, but they get up to like 100 plus miles an hour in a Honda Accord. Toyota and Camry, just start basic ass cars, and just whip the steering wheel back and forth and start drifting across eight lanes of traffic. Um, yeah, that's and a it scary does end, thing because it does, you can, end, it does end poorly sometimes, it, as you lot, might imagine. Yeah, yeah. There's a plethora of videos out there where you can see people getting tossed from cars because they're doing this, and I don't understand it. It doesn't. I mean, I'm sure it's fun for a second, but it sounds scary as fuck to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that was uh, that was all my I thought it would be fun to just discuss car culture and some specific examples. Very, you know, you think cars are cars, but then you start exploring all these these branches and it gets very interesting. They turn into uh, they turn into an art form. Definitely an art form, an extension of people for sure. Um, the second you start modifying it, I mean, you've, you know, most people, if you're modifying a car, you've done things for a certain reason or because you like the way it looks or so, you know, you're instantly 
putting out to the world a reflection of your taste or your preferences or whatever beyond the fact that you just bought a certain vehicle and man when it's done right a good looking car there's there's not much better yeah it's definitely a unique uh i saw a proper i don't know i can't remember what year it is but the ford gt in the white with the blue stripes on the road the other day like going slow so i had a lot of time to look at it the new one or the previous no the the original concept or not concept uh no i'm sorry uh newer i don't know well, brand well, new. yeah you're probably so you got three versions here you got the original ford gt that raced in the 60s yeah not that one yeah i didn't think so 2006 ford gt yeah exactly yeah that one yeah is, dude is pretty baller you just I saw this thing going down the road and in the best possible color combination and you know, if I could have stopped and pulled over and just stared at it, I would have. Yeah, they are uh But yeah, cars in general. And I'm looking at the new one now. Holy cow. The new one so the the it's two thousand five looking but the one that you saw was um to kinda kinda remember commemorate the original yeah. one so it yeah, had this it retro like look old, to it right. whereas the new one is and it was designed as a road car for sure the new one is totally designed as a race car first road car second and while yes does have some styling cues to hint back to its heritage it is a very much modern vehicle in design but that's also what the original Ford gt was at its time, right? They came along and they were like, yeah, we built this badass car to beat everybody. The whole point, so, yeah, was to beat Ferrari at yep. um, 24 hours. So And they did. And they did that. And then they <laughs> did it again with the new one. So it's pretty badass. America. That's right. Don't mess All with right. us. All right. Uh, I think that's good for now. Definitely. Hopefully we didn't uh, lose a bunch of people. <laughs> with our... I, I knew by bringing up cars I was going to. No. They're all here deep. still. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yep, check out the website. You. Check out Instagram. Check out uh, Twitter. Send us your topics, too. Yeah. For sure. Yep. WanderingBerryCenter at gmail.com. It's where you can uh, send that sort of stuff. Definitely. And we'll catch you next time. All right. See you next week.